I'm glad we can look at it that way today. No matter what circumstances are around us and how dark the world is and what's going around, our faith is not in what we're seeing out here, but our faith is in His promise. God bless you. Let's turn today while you're turning to the book of Ruth, chapter 3, verse 1. We have an engagement announcement we'd like to make known today. Brother Smith Ward and Sister Deanna Glenn got engaged. It must be something in the water around here. (laughs) Two weeks in a row. Everybody stow the water fountain. (laughs) Amen. We're happy for them. Bless them together. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall not I seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Naomi does not say that Boaz is the nearest of kin. But what she says is that he is one of our kindred. But the Leveret Law was not one who was near or one who was kin but the one who's the closest of kin. And that's what makes this a difficult situation if there's anybody else closer than Boaz. And if there is anybody closer than Boaz who has a right to make the claim, does Boaz honor the Word and do what the Word says, or does he say, I love her so much and she loves me so much that it doesn't really matter that we skip over one little tiny word. Just one little teeny word. Nearest of kin. Because I'm kin. Why should we have to just be so legal? But you see, actually, Elimelech had a younger brother. Uh Uh-oh. Now we've got a problem. And he was closer kin than Boaz was. So, do they secretly just go in and go about all of this and secretly go away somewhere and get married and then come back and say, hey, you know what? We're married now. It's too late. Or do they do this based on the word? Now, this is one of the many, many things that separates Ruth um, in the canon of Scripture and also makes her such a beautiful type of the bride. Ruth is not a type of the church. She's a type of the bride. Now, she said, now is not Boaz of our kindred whose maidens thou wast? 
And behold, he winnoweth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. Put thy raiment upon thee. Get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he have done eating and drinking. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today as we pray over the word. God bless you, me too. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of your presence and of your word and of your way, just the way you do things. And man in his way, he is so contrary to you by nature, by his mind, by his soul. Even those of us here today who are born again of the Spirit of God, yet that old cocoa is still there on the outside. We have to battle that old thing every day of our lives. But we're so grateful, Lord, that you have given us your word and your life, your spirit, to come and live in us, which will take the preeminence if we will allow it to do so. I pray you'd open your word to our understanding today. Open our understanding to your word. Open our hearts to your cooing. Open uh, every aspect of our being that we might receive from you. Father, this prayer calls I have in my hand today for Sister Yvette, you see the needs in her body. In the name of Jesus, I pray you would touch our sister. I don't think we even have to wait for this prayer cloth to touch her body, but right now in Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God move for I pray. All the other hands that were uplifted, minister to them today, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> This apparently was a local custom, something that was pretty common, something that was done <clears throat> there in Israel at this time of the setting of the scripture. But remember, Ruth was a Moabitess, so this must have been very unusual to her, that her mother-in-law would tell her to do something that would seem to be full of a lot of reproach. Now, let me make sure that you understand where I'm going with this before I go too far. The Lord will never ask any of us to do anything that would be contrary to his word. Now, it might be contrary to our thinking and the thinking of others, but it'll never be contrary to his word. This no doubt seemed very unusual. And maybe to, to compare what she was asked to do compared to even the way that Ruth was raised up, it might have seemed a little bit immodest. It might have seemed unchaste that she's actually going to go in uh, under cover, as it were. She's not to make herself known until Boaz has laid down, he's eat, he's drank, and he's laying down. And then she is supposed to go and do something that, in one sense of the word, would seem a little bit unseemly. Now, no doubt, some of the customs that she had already seen was really unusual and different. And this one would have been as well. 
<clears throat> but what I love about this is that Bible scholars can read these Bible stories. Expositors can read these Bible stories. Great theologians, preachers, all kinds of people. But whenever a prophet reads the same Bible story, he sees something in there that the most of us just won't see. That's just the plain truth about it. And when Brother Branham read this, <clears throat> he saw something about this that was even more unusual than what it would appear to the natural eye. And <clears throat> in this, there is a, a great symbol, not only for Ruth herself, but for every Gentile, every believing Gentile disciple. Now, <clears throat> not every believing Gentile that is saved. There is a great, great gap in between people that are saved and people that are disciples. We do not just want to be saved people. We want to be disciples. <laughs> a disciple is one who follows their master closely. They don't stay at a distance. You remember reading when Peter, uh, when the Lord Jesus was fixing to be taken to Pilate's hall and going to be judged and going to be crucified. And the Bible says that Peter followed him afar off. You see, something had come between Peter and Jesus. It was fear. It was the trauma of what he's fixing to face. Now, Peter had been a disciple, one who followed close, but now things had come between Jesus and Peter, and Peter is no longer walking as close as he was. So the writer said that Peter followed him afar off. So each person that looked at Peter funny, each person that said, I think I know you. I think I saw you with him. Well, that put a little bit more of a distance between Jesus and Peter. Now, whenever Peter was there with him as he thought, he was a committed disciple. He said, Lord, though all forsake you, I will go with you all the way. And Peter really thought he could do that. But Peter didn't have the power to be able to do that on his own. And let me say to you and I today, we don't either. That's why we gotta have the Holy Ghost. But I want you to notice now how that Brother Branham, when he brings this, and let me read verse four in Ruth three. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. So she's supposed to be hid. Now she's over in behind a post or a bush or something or another and she's hid and she's watching. She don't want nobody to see her, nobody to know that she's there and she's waiting for the appropriate time. So all the rest of the men lay down, all the servants lay down, and it was the custom for the men only 
to stay there with the harvest because the thieves would come in and steal it if they didn't. So no women were allowed. No women were allowed. But she's breaking the allowance. Now, if they would have called her, they would have thrown her out. That was a men's only club. So no women would be allowed. Now, that within itself is a jeopardy. If she would have just been seen in there, she could have been talked too bad, she could have been whipped, she could have been thrown out, her name would have been talked about the next morning, and the judges could have judged her at the gate the next day. That was bad enough. Now I want you to catch this now, what, what I'm leading up to. All of this is the mystery of the Gentile bride, what she will go through for Christ, her lover and Lord. Now in order to meet him, wonder why she didn't reason in her mind, now you know what, this is embarrassing. I could get in trouble. They could laugh at me. Well, what if somebody catches me and the rulers of the city, my, I'm a Gentile dog anyway, they already look down on me. And what if somebody catches me or somebody t turns me in tomorrow and they question me and right before all the judges of the city, I'm brought into question, what am I gonna say? What will happen to me? And then Naomi proceeds to tell her, once he lays down, I want you to go in and I want you to uncover his feet. And I want you not to sit there, but I want you to lay down at his feet. Now, you imagine how that would have been perceived by the people of that day? A woman laying down by a man? Now what would be the first thing that would come to a lot of people's mind? She's a prostitute. Why that low down, sorry, good for nothing woman? But I want you to notice where the instructions were for her to lay. It was not to lay at his head. It was not to lay near his chest where his heart was. It was to lay at his feet. Which was a sign of great humility and submission. By laying at his feet. Remember to the Jews, the terminology of your enemies being made your footstool was a great symbolism. So they would come in, if a ruler would come in, and if you wanted to pay obeisance to that individual, oh, one of the greatest signs of humility was that you would bow down to his feet. You can see why the woman, when she come and washed Jesus' feet with her tears, it was a great sign of her humility. But a lot of the Gentiles would have never laid at the feet. They'd have went straight to the head. They would have went straight to the top, but not Ruth. Ruth goes exactly where she's told to go. 
and that was the feet. Now, he would have covered his feet with his outer garment. Even to this day, in the Jewish weddings, the man will take his talis, his talis, the part of his garment, and he will take that and drape it over the woman. It is his talis or his skirt. And he, by doing this, claims her as his own. He also gives her a symbolism, I am your head. I am your protector. I will do whatever I need to do to protect you from this day forward. Now watch how Brother Branham picks this up in Kinsman Redeemer. Now put thy garments upon thee, not take thy garments off of thee. How contrary to today. Gird thy garments upon thee when you go to meet him. He's going to win a barley tonight and go down and put your garments on you. Cover yourself up to meet him. Today, they want to uncover themselves. But cover yourself. Go down because he winnows barley and then mark the place where he lieth down. Now watch him pick this up. Did you do it on Golgotha? Many years ago, I marked in my heart where he laid down his life that he might take me and mark the place that he lieth down. Watch where he lay. That's what every believer should do. Now, as long as we keep that before us, no matter what we face, we will know he will give us strength. And whenever we even fall short of the glory of God, we're not marking where we are and what we are. We're marking what he did. And we will need that place permanently marked in our heart from the day one that we become a child of God until we cross over by death or the body change. Because we're not going in on our worthiness, but we're going in on his. Is that right? Now, notice he goes on to say, she said, Mark where he lieth down. Then when he lieth down to sleep, to rest, you go lie down by his feet, not his head, his feet unworthy. And take the blanket that was covered with and pull it over you. Now watch what she's doing. She's reaching up and she's going to grab a hold to that blanket and she's going to pull it down over her. Now by doing this, she's going to slightly uncover him. Now the nights would have gotten cool about this time, a separate time between the barley harvest and the other harvest, 40 days apart, which is the Feast of Pentecost, as you know. So it was still some cool nights. So as the temperature would have dropped, as it does in the desert, for those of you that have been there, it can get very, very cold. For a place that can be so hot during the day, a desert can be one of the coldest places. You cannot imagine how cold that it is. So as she reached up and grabbed a hold of that, now remember she has already washed herself. She has perfumed herself. She is anointed. She has on her best garment, which would have been kept in a trunk or in a place of wood, and they would have had all types of aromatic herbs inside of there. So maybe it was the chill, maybe it was the fragrance. We don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but there was something that woke him up. 
And whenever he was awakened by the, the, the smell or awakened by the chill of the night and maybe he shivers a little bit. Y'all ever do that sometimes and your temperature get a little bit cool? Well, some of you didn't. Apparently, you're still going through the change. Don't worry, you'll get over it. <clears throat> anyway, whenever it must have hit him and it, maybe it was his arms, maybe it was his hands and he reaches down and maybe pull the cover up and when he does, he, he doesn't hear her singing. She's not praying. She's not prophesying. She's not doing anything like that. But he was startled by what he found out was there. Now, somehow, even by his response, he knew it was a woman. Now, it's gonna be very important in how she presents herself. Remember, there is a divine approach. If she is laying up here by his head, she's in trouble. If she's laying up here equal to him, he's laying like this. She climbs up and lays down by him like this. She's going to be considered unworthy of his name, unworthy of matrimony. There is a place she must lay. The position she chooses to lay in correspondence to the sacrificial lamb will identify who she is because it will speak from her soul what she views about himself and how she views herself. So if she views herself worthy of his mercy, worthy of his kindness, worthy of his grace, it proves she's not worthy at all. You understand? Same with us. If we get the idea, well, I'm worthy for him to die for me. I'm worthy for all the blessings. I deserve this. I deserve that. No, we don't deserve any of it. That's right. So where we lay will tell us what we think about him and also ourselves. Now watch, you go lie down by his feet, not his head, his feet unworthy, and take the blanket that he was covered over with and pull it over you. You see it? Oh my, I know you think I'm a fanatic, but that just suits me just right. It does me too, don't it you? That spirit of God, mark where he lay at Calvary. Where he lay down in the tomb in Gethsemane, mark and crawl up to his feet and lie down there and notice now, lie die down there and die yourself. Now you see, this is what's gonna separate Ruth from the other church type in that they will spend their entire life focusing on the place where he died, but not on the place where they died. But notice how the prophet catches this in the view of the two crosses. There are actually two crosses that we want to look at today if the Lord will help us. And he said, you crawl up to his feet and lie down there and die to yourself. There you are. Cover yourself over with his skirt. She said, the skirt, she's called it. And Ruth said, what to say, that I'll do. What you say, that I'll do. Yep, she's a member of the bride, all right. Real obedient. She didn't say she understood it. She didn't say, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. She didn't say none of that, but she just said, if this is what you tell me to do, this is what I'll do. If I make a fool out of myself, if I get reproached, if I get thrown out, you know what? That ain't my responsibility. It's yours because I'm doing what you've told me to do. 
Notice he goes on to say, now remember there was a disgrace for that young widow woman to be laying by the side of this man at his feet, a disgrace. Now keep in mind that what we're gonna type here is Ruth typing the Gentile bride. So it was not all pleasantries. It was not everything nice. It was not everything easy and genteel and oh, there's no reproach. Oh no, it was a shame. It was a disgrace in the way that she was asked to do this. And the prophet said, a disgrace to the outside world. Oh, can you stand it? Can you stand it? Here it is. Look, look, this is it. The church, the young woman, the young man, the old, the young, is asked to separate themselves from the world and come to a place to the kingdom of the Holy Ghost that's disgraceful to the world. People don't mind accepting an intellectual Jesus. Even some of the message people, I hate to say it, but we're getting theologians in the message that want to do away with the real Pentecostal experience. They want to water it down and make it so weak and we just become a bunch of Baptists on steroids. That's all we are, just a bunch of Baptists on steroids and we raise our hand every now and then and wave and well, glory to God, I, I got wild on the buck today in church. I waved both hands. Boy, you did, didn't you? My goodness, well, you ain't up to where Peter was. He acted like a drunk man on the day of Pentecost. That's right. Now remember, it was the Nicolaitan spirit, and you don't hear a lot of folks around the message quote it, but it's in your seal book. It was the Nicolaitan spirit that began to cry to get away from those people who shouted and jumped and talked in tongues. Now many folks want to say the Nicolaitan spirit's just on the preachers. You never, you never studied far enough. It was also on the laity, but their Nicolaitan thing was they wanted to get away from a real emotional baptism of the Holy Ghost and second Adam's children way of acting, Acts 2.38. Well, praise the Lord. Kind of like some of them folks is doing in here Wednesday night. Lord, have mercy. If you wasn't here, you missed it. I'm telling you what, we had an absolute outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Some of these folks turned Methodist. Some of them turned shouting Baptist. <laughs> now watch. Notice what he said. To the world, they become a fanatic, they become a holy roller or something like that. There's some disgraceful name. But the church is asked to do it. Are you willing to mark that place and lie down? Are you willing to mark that place and lie down at that place? Now, see, this is where I'll cut some of the message folks off. They're not going to take it. And we're getting more and more and more intellectual preachers in the message. I know you don't hear a lot of them, but take my word for it. They're getting more and more intellectual, and we're getting more and more of them that don't even need the Holy Ghost to preach. All they need is quotes, and they stand up, and they deliver their sermonettes, and without the power of God, there's no deliverance to set them free. That's why some of them preachers themselves are bound up with porn. Uh-huh. Come on now. Don't get quiet on me. I'll tell you, friends, if we mark the place where he died and we die there too, there's a resurrection for us. I don't want no intellectual guy preaching to me, do you? No, I sure don't. Now what's this? Mark the place where he laid down and lied down there with him. Are you ready to go to Calvary this morning? Are you ready to go to Calvary this morning? As I said last Sunday, have you marked a place in your life? Have you brought yourself to that place where Jesus was crucified? Oh, oh, we appreciate that. 
No, don't tell me. No, don't, don't, don't tell me. He's going to ask me this. Oh, we appreciate that. But what about your crucifixion? Now, this is one of the, the major things that's going to separate the bride from the church. This is why the church constantly preaches and talks about his cross. Why? It requires no pain. What he suffered on his cross, I didn't feel one thing. Oh, it breaks my heart when I look at it. It breaks my heart when I think about it. But as far as hurting me, it didn't hurt me. Come on, you understand. Did it hurt you? Was it your back whenever he died on the cross that bore the splinters? Was it your back that bore the stripes as if for healing? No, it was not you. So this is why it is painless to preach only the cross of Christ. Painless. Totally painless. For the preachers and for the people who sat there, oh my, oh my, yes, the old rugged cross, the old rugged cross, but what about your old rugged cross? Notice then he says, oh my, have you marked the place in your life? Have you brought yourself to that place where Jesus was crucified? Oh, we appreciate that. But what about your crucifixion? Are you ready to take the way with the disgraceful name as being called Nodder? Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a 2022 version of that quote. Nodder. Well, let's just say what he said, shall we? A disgraceful name as being a holy roller or a religious fanatic or whatever, whatever the price is, have you marked the place so you go there and lie down with him and say, Lord, here I am, then what? Pull the same cover that was on him over you. Now, for the Lord Jesus, it was a cover of shame and humiliation and embarrassment. The artist rendered the picture of his crucifixion with a rag around his waist. I'm sorry, that is not true. That is not the way it was. He hung there without one stitch of clothes on his body. He was cursed in the eyes of God. Now do we want that skirt over us? Oh, but folks want a modern Jesus. A Jesus that'll let them hold on to their things of the world. Act like the world. They can still smoke marijuana. They can still pop their pills and live like the devil and, you know, still have their gay lifestyle and claim they're a child of God. God accepts you for what you are. Y'all probably seen the billboard over there coming down by the dollar store off of the Milligan Highway. Great old big thing. God loves you as you are. God wants to accept you as you are. God wants you to remain as you are. That's the devil's gospel, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will accept you as a liar, a thief, whatever you are, yes. But God don't want you to remain a liar or a thief. That's right, he wants to change you, is that right? So the real bride then reaches up and pulls the cover off of the Lord Jesus as it was. And she's willing to bear the reproach. I told you years ago, you probably don't remember it, but I told you years and years ago that it would come to pass even in our ranks. 
people in the message who believe in the power of God and still have a real move of God will be the outcast even around our ranks. Well, you're living in the day to see that come to pass. Now watch, Jesus dying on his cross was for our salvation, our reconciliation, our peace with God, the price that was paid that we could not pay. Thank God for that. Don't we thank God for it? We ought to thank God for it every day of our life. Shouldn't be a week go by that we don't thank him for all of that. But yet, we also have our cross. Now, our cross does not buy our, our, our merits before God. Our cross does not make us worthy of salvation. It makes us worthy of him. Oh, don't look at me Google-eyed. I've got scriptures laying here in front of me. You see, our cross has to do with discipleship, not with salvation. You or I can never do anything to merit salvation. Notice Matthew 10, 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me. Oh. Is not worthy of me. Wow. So he that taketh not his cross and follow us after me. So your cross will be those things placed upon you. Afflictions, reproaches, shame, humiliation, embarrassment. Not because of stuff that you and I have done to ourselves, and say, well, I'm bearing a cross. I got out and robbed a bank and I'm bearing a cross. You're an idiot. You ought to know better to rob a bank. Well, Brother Donnie, if you heard that new law they passed, they're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents. And one of the requirements is they've got to be able to pack guns. You know, this is just a law that was signed in, into, into law this last week. And these IRS agents have got to be able to pack guns and be able to know how to do it. Wonder why? Because they're going to come knocking on your door, honey. And it ain't going to be no water pistol they're going to be packing neither. Uh-huh. Oh, you say, that's such a heavy cross. That ain't got nothing to do with the cross. That's our stinking government. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I done this and oh, it's a cross. So much that we call a cross ain't a bit more cross than I'm a jackrabbit this morning. The cross is that which God has personally designed for each one of us that will bring suffering, persecution, reproach, and so on for the Lord Jesus and his cause. It's not you and your temper. It's not you and your temperament. It's not you and the strain that runs down in your family that makes you flawed. And every one of us are flawed, and most of us are deeply flawed in our humanity. I'm not talking about that. You got that from your mom and your daddy. Don't blame that on Jesus. But it is that which we go through. We will be hated because of his namesake. And we will be ill-treated. You see, that was his cross. It was not anything that he did. It was not anything that he'd come by fallen inherent nature. He didn't have one. But it was standing for truth. Standing for the Father's word. You see, we must be expected to have such a cross. 
Every minister will have his own cross. Each one really is custom made by God according to your particular vocation and your walk. And now this is the difficulty about carrying a cross. We must carry this cross, not only packing it and on our back and all that, but there is an attitude that is, must be absolutely required by God that we pack this cross and that is cheerfully. This is where most of us is gonna get in trouble, ain't it? A lot of people carry it resentfully. Oh my. But God wants us to carry it patiently with cheerfulness in our hearts, knowing that it is such an honor to be reproached for him and his cause. You see, God himself bore this. Now, the cross is actually the pain of self-denial. So many of you are sitting there trying to think, okay, my cross is this and this, and you're trying to identify the names of what it is your cross is made up out of. It's very, very simply put. The cross is the pain that you will bear for him and his word. One day it may be one thing, the next day it may be something else, the next week it may be something else, but it will be something that God will give to you and God will also help you bear. You see, the cross is the symbolism of us doing our duty to the Lord Jesus and doing it with a grateful heart. Watch this in Matthew 27, 32. Now, the Lord had already been so beat and so whipped he hardly had any strength left in his body. So when he comes out so far, he bore his cross and they would take the middle section. He actually didn't bear the cross and the Christian cross, of course, is this symbol, but that's not true. Actually, the cross was like this. It would have been one piece here and one piece there. There was not a piece that went up. But the, the criminal would have bore the center piece, this one. So they tie his arms to this. Now remember, crucifixion was spared the Roman citizen. No matter how rotten a Roman citizen was, he could not be crucified. A slave, it was saved for slaves and for those outside of the Roman citizenship. And they would take this middle part and put it on the arms and the back of the carrier. And the Lord Jesus had been beaten and kept up all night long. The blood had drained from his body. He was so weak, no doubt thrombosis and high blood pressure and low blood pressure and all kinds of things going on in his body. No way for us to imagine what he was going through. And whenever he got so far, he actually fell under the weight of this beam or this cross. And they find one Simon a Cyrenian. And Simon, they grabbed a hold of him and he bore the Lord Jesus' cross. Now, does that mean then that Jesus and Simon are the founders of our salvation? You do know he bore his cross, right? You know that? You don't know that. All right, let me read to you. Matthew 27, 32, and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled to bear his cross. 
So since Jesus didn't pack his cross all the way to Calvary, does that mean Simon's our Savior? Got you thinking now, boy, there went that big steak you was going to eat after church. Some of y'all sitting there eating that steak and that big baked tater and them, them, them onions and all that. Ah, that went out the window quick, didn't it? You see, Simon could help bear the external cross. But only Jesus could bear the invisible one. How many of you would help me as your pastor? You would do anything and everything you could do to lighten my load. I know that because I hear from people all the time. And you don't know what that means to me. Brother Don, is there anything I could do? Is there anything I could do to help you in any way? Not only you, all I've got friends around the world that tell me that, preacher friends. And that makes me feel so loved. And, and you know, we all want to feel that way. And there's certain things you probably could do, but that would be more or less you helping with my external cross. But only I can bear my invisible one. I might help you. Whenever you're under such a burden, Brother Robert, under a load, I might pick up the phone and call or send a text or Brother Dow sends you a message. Hey, buddy, I love you. Just want you to know I'm praying for you today. And that might help with that little burden, you know, to lighten it somewhat. But in reality, Brother Dow is the only one that can bear that invisible cross that was hand chosen by the Lord for him to bear. That's why the Bible tells us, bear ye, one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Does anybody know of any scripture where the Bible tells us to add to one another's burdens? To make our brother's load more difficult to bear? God forgive me if I have ever done such a thing. So Simon now is beckoned to bear the physical cross the rest of the way for the Lord Jesus. But Simon was not carrying the burden of the soul. He was not carrying my guilt, your guilt. He was not carrying the weight of the world, simply the cross beam. Notice Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 38. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me. Look at this word. To follow one who precedes. Join him as an attendant. Accompany him. To join one as a disciple. Become or be his disciple. Side with his party. Well, praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you took sides with Jesus' party? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the Democrats are going to lose out in the millennium, and the Republicans are going to lose out in the millennium, and all the independents are going to lose out in the millennium. There's only one party going to rule in the millennium. It's the Jesus party. So if you want to win, you better become part of that party. So this is what follows me. Notice now Jesus separates salvation from discipleship. Wow. Notice again in Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, 
Let him deny his wife and deny his children and deny his parents and deny his pastor. Let him deny himself and take up not cross, not Christ's cross. You'll, you can search your entire life. You'll never find the cross of Christ for you to bear. But the one you're to bear has your name written all over it. You know how we are. We like to look at crosses and size them up. Woo! Man, right there's the one I want. About that big, about that wide. Woo! Finished out slick as it can be like the top of this pulpit right here. No splinters, no sticky stuff. I can put that thing in my pocket. I'm hanging around my neck, hanging around my mirror in the car. Wow, that'll be no problem to bear that cross. Don't sit there and look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Notice this, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Take up. So you mean it's not automatic with salvation. So after you're saved, then God has a custom designed cross fit perfectly for your life. So here I am, this great big old scrapping boy, weigh 160 some pounds, about six feet tall and all that. And I go through and I pick out and say, <laughs> and I climb up there and I lay down and here it is, my cross is like this and I'm 5'10", sticking over it this way. My arms is stretched out this way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to be honest with you this morning. I'm so glad the Lord Jesus didn't let me pick my own cross because I'd never be what I am today. Would you? No. So you have to take up your cross. Notice Jesus won't even take it up for you and lay it on you. So he lays it there before you and and you can see your name written all over it and then you look at it and you actually have to put forth the effort. I can't do this. I can't take this. There ain't no way I can do this. Brother, don't you, is that what you say? I'm just repeating what you said. Which is the same thing I say. Anybody ever say that? I can't take it. I can't take it. I just can't do this. I just can't take it. Every Christian is revealed by the way he or she deals with their cross. I believe this is about one of the most quiet Sunday mornings we've ever had here. Now, there's one of three things that we can do with this cross. We can spurn it. We can leave it. Or we can take it. You see, we are disloyal 
if we spurn it. Negligent if we leave it. Faithful if we take it up. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. The disciples had now taken up their crosses. All hell had been against the Lord Jesus when he was on the earth. Satan didn't really bother the disciples too much because they're pretty much non-existent anyway. That's fussing, fighting, arguing, debating over who was going to have the biggest message church and who had the most people streaming their services and how many subscribers they had on YouTube. So the devil didn't even bother them. I mean, they just fighting one another all the time. He didn't have to even fight them. But after they got the Holy Ghost, woo, it was a different story then. All the guns of hell that was aimed at the Lord Jesus started being aimed at these disciples. Is that right? They started being beat. Isn't it amazing? They never got beat before the Holy Ghost. They never got whipped before the Holy Ghost. They was never fought like this before the Holy Ghost. What made the difference? They got the Holy Ghost. And they departed from the presence of the council. Now here they'd caught them, they'd whipped them, and they finally turned them loose, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Help me, Jesus. You sisters okay? Being laughed at when you're at the grocery store and they see you with your long hair? And your long skirt. You okay when they look at your little children? And you go into a restaurant and they say, skirt church, skirt church. Does it bother you? Well, sure. As a human being, yeah, I watch them watch my wife and my daughters and my granddaughters. And, you know, I generally walk in the back and uh, open the door for them all and then walk in the back. And as I go, I watch them as they look, each one of them. And then they always wind up looking, Brother Jerry, at me. And they're thinking, you sorry dog. You're the cause of all of that. You sorry thing. But they're looking at the wrong man. They need to look at this man up here. They're not bearing reproach for Donnie. They're bearing reproach for the Lord Jesus. Listen, sisters, you're not bearing the reproach for William Branham. You're not bearing the reproach for Donnie Reagan. You're bearing it for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, wear your crown of thorns, sisters and brothers as well. Notice Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Agabus has come up and taken Paul's garment. Hadn't met Paul yet. Didn't know even who he was. No doubt he'd heard about the brother. But he hadn't even met him in the flesh. But he sees Paul's garment there and he goes and grabs a hold of that garment and he ties up Paul's hands and he said, thus saith the Holy Ghost. Whosever garment this is, is fixing to go to Jerusalem and go to be bound. Paul said, I know it, I know it. Don't break my heart. Notice he said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. What's he got? But the Mac, he's got his cross. Save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city. Now you imagine, 
You're going from city to city to city. You're preaching, man, you're having meetings. And before you leave there, somebody comes up to you and said, you're fixing to be persecuted. You're fixing to go to jail. This is fixing to happen to you. Wow, that's really encouraging, isn't it? Every place he went, Lance, it was not kind of, oh, brother, you bless. Oh, brother, that was so great. That was so tremendous. But the Spirit of God saying, trouble awaits you. Death awaits you. Suffering awaits you. And this was his approach to it. Save the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But listen to this response. But none of these things move me. What about a children, what you're going through? You want to say the same thing to the devil. You've done this and you've done that and you've done something else, but none of those things move me, devil. Hallelujah, you've attacked my body, you've attacked my home, you've attacked this and that and the other, but none of those things move me. Neither count I my life, listen to this, dear unto myself. Don't you see? He's ready to be offered. The consummation of Paul's cross, he's fully embraced it. Lord God, so that I might finish my course with joy. So he's not leaving. Oh, oh no, I'm so, I'm so sad. Oh, oh no, I can't leave. He said, no, don't do that. I've run my course. I've finished my course. There's a great thing waiting for me. Don't cry for me, children. It's waiting and I want to see all of you all over there. Oh, what a man that had embraced his cross. Lord God. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Notice Jesus again. I've told you over and over again. The Lord Jesus spoke more about our cross than he did his own. This must have a great significance, should it? Mark 8, 34, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, let me read you this. I found it in a Bible encyclopedia. When the Roman Empire crucified a criminal or a captive, the victim was often forced to carry his cross part of the way to the crucifixion site. Carrying his cross through the heart of the city was supposed to be an admission that the Roman Empire was correct in the sentence of death imposed on him. An admission that Rome was right and he was wrong. So everywhere you went then, you publicly bearing that cross. You were made to testify, I am worthy of this. I am worthy to pack this. And instead of saying, well, poor little old me, man alive, what in the world's going on? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that. Come on, children. So when Jesus told his followers to carry their crosses and follow him, he was referring to a public display before others that Jesus was right. 
help us, Lord. And that the disciples were following him even to their deaths. Now, is there anybody here besides me this morning that has a hard time sometimes with that part of the cross carrying? I kind of figured that since the Lord had me to preach it to you all instead of just preaching to myself. I do preach to myself sometimes. But I kind of figured since the Lord wanted me to bring it public because there must have been at least three or four and there might be two or three out there streaming the internet that probably needed to. Now the rest of you poor little sweet darlings, I'm just so sorry that you have to put up with this stuff from me and Brother Dow this morning. But me and Brother Dow are just so happy that the Lord loves us so much. Thank you all for putting up with our humanity. <laughs> Listen to this. Luke 9, 22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders. Watch the pattern now, the prelude of what he's fixing to say. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said unto them all, oh my goodness. Now he's telling them what's fixing to happen to them and watch him change the scene. He just told them what's fixing to happen to him on his cross, but he didn't use the word cross. But he's fixing to use it for us. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. I found the meaning of this word overwhelming yesterday. To affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. You know, kind of the way you'll do people on the outside out there that you don't like, and you'll act like you don't see them. Well, that's a good practice to have to yourself. Can you imagine Jesus saying such a word that we are to actually act like we don't even know ourselves, And we're to treat ourselves as if though it is a complete stranger. And then tell yourself, my daddy told me not to speak to strangers. My daddy told me not to listen to strangers. Oh, but I can see for the embarrassment on most of our faces here today, that ain't the way we know ourselves. We know ourselves well, don't we? We know what we like, what we don't like. We know the preacher we like, the preacher we don't like. We know the songs that we like. We know that we have our own special service leader. We have everything just exactly the way we want. And boy, if it don't go that way, we ain't gonna have a good service. You need to deny yourself. You need to bring that old Roman ear and set it down and say, look, boy, I need your hands. I need your lips to say amen. Your song leader ain't singing today. Brother Harry ain't even here on the organ. Oh, dear God, how are we gonna have church? Because Jesus is still here when Brother Harry's gone. Jesus is still here when Brother Donnie's gone. Jesus is still here when Brother Larry's gone. Come on, church. But if we don't bring that same subject, that old body will sit there. How in the world am I ever going to get in? Brother Louis didn't even lead the singer today. Oh, don't they know I love to hear Brother Dave Swanson sing that favorite song of mine. He ain't sung it in weeks now. How can I get in? You got to deny yourself. And when self says this and that, say, shut up, self. I don't know you. I ain't listened to you. You ain't right in my life. 
And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Luke is the only one that uses this word daily. The only one of the gospels. Daily. And follow me. You see, discipleship means denial and devotion to the Lord Jesus above others. I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but when the angels of God come down on the earth and announced his coming, they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But whenever Jesus starts preaching, he said, now don't think that I've come to bring peace, but I'll bring a sword. (laughs) Well, the angels said, peace on earth. But when he started preaching, he said, I ain't come to bring peace. Well, come on now, some of you legalists that want to compare quote to quote, let's compare a few scriptures to scriptures this morning. Well, hallelujah. You see, the Lord Jesus did not make discipleship cheap and easy. As a matter of fact, he spoke more about the hardships of it than he did the blessings. Why? He wanted to make it hard. You can see why voices like ours and others, Satan wants to silence them. Because Laodicea wants a soft, padded cross. An easy cross. An easy gospel. Brother Tim Pruitt calls it an easy believism. So you just believe and it requires no life, requires no holiness, requires no prayer life, no reading the Bible. Well, come on now. That's not what the Lord Jesus says. Notice in Luke 14, 27, let me have a few minutes and we'll stop. We're fixing to turn here. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot Be my disciple. If you notice, Jesus does not say cannot be saved. (laughs) The word disciple is the most common word used in the Gospels and in the book of Acts to identify followers of the Lord Jesus. Used 200 and 64 times. Must be pretty important to him, huh? You see, by making this distinction between salvation and discipleship, once again, it expresses the choosing, election, and predestination of God. Because the elect desire, desire, greatly desire to be discipled which is the same root word we get our English word from, discipline. Boy, I always hated it when I heard my mama or my daddy call me by my legal name. Donald 
Lee, Reagan, and Ibiza Jr. <clears throat> when I heard that, I knew I was in trouble. The fan was fixing to hit the fire. And I was going to feel like I was on fire when it got done. Anybody here ever hear your first, middle, last, and junior, or whatever your name? God bless your little hearts. Now I know why y'all squirm and wiggle when I'm preaching this way. It brings back fond memories of your daddy. Oh, did I enjoy it? No, but you know what I realized as I got older, Brother John? I probably needed more than what I got. But we're living in an age when they hate discipline. You know, Brother Ram tells us the zeal of this hour is repent. It's amazing how that people around the message will not and cannot repent when they're caught in wrongdoing, when they're caught believing things wrong. They just want to go over like it all. Don't even matter, brother, sister. I hope we never get to a spot that we can't say, I'm sorry. I know it nearly kills some people to say it, but if you want to go to heaven, you better learn how to say it with all of your heart. Don't blame your mama, don't blame your daddy, but learn how to say, I messed up, I'm sorry. Let me have just a few more minutes and I'll, I'll close. You see, salvation is open to all that will accept by faith the Lord Jesus and the price that he paid and embrace his cross. Discipleship is only for those who are willing to pay a price. You see, this is what makes it so confusing how that some people look at grace and then they see this sign and they say, that's legalism. No, that's obedience. Anything that requires obedience in the age we're living in, the latest sins went, ah, legalism, legalism. Ain't nothing I gotta do. That's right, to be saved, but to be a disciple. I put this down this morning, listen to this. Salvation means coming to the cross, trusting Jesus Christ. While discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ. Discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how astounding it must have been in Luke when Jesus said, except you hate your father and your mother. You cannot be my disciple. If they looked any more strange than y'all are looking right now, I can't imagine. <laughs> Why are you looking that way? Because you don't understand the word hate. The Bible says Jacob loved one of his wives and hated the other. But when you look at that word, it don't mean hate in the way that you and I hate. It's a lesser degree of love. It simply means he loved her more than the other. It was against the law for you to hate your mother and father. Jesus didn't come to, to break that, but to fulfill it. He was showing the measure of our love for him would be so tremendous that our love for our parents and everybody else 
would seem like hate. Because the love for him would be so magnanimous. It would be so great, so overwhelming that the rest of the love that we have for everybody else would be looked on as nearly hate. Is there anybody here that loves him that way this morning? Can you imagine that you love him so much that your love for everybody else? I used to ponder about it years ago when I would hear Brother Branham say that he loved the Lord Jesus so much that he had a hard time even expressing the love to his wife because his love for him was so high and so great and to such a degree. Help us, Lord. Let me close with this. Let's stand. Let's read this again. Luke 14, 27. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, he doesn't say, Saved. You see, friends, this is where the blood-washed multitude coming out of the tribulation period will way outnumber the bride. The living bride will be so small in number. But the blood-washed, oh, you say, are they saved? Sure. There's millions of them that are saved, but not disciples. What do you want? You just want to be saved? Barely make it in on the skin of your teeth? I wouldn't, I wouldn't call just to be a safe man. I was called to walk in those bloody footprints. I started walking in them many, many years ago. 54 years ago. They've led me through many dark times. Many hard times just like you. Would you turn back, Brother Donnie? No. Do you regret ever doing it? I do not. The regrets I have is that I failed him. Anybody else beside me? Oh, but Brother Donnie, you give all your young life. Your your teens was all spent serving the Lord. You've done all that. Don't, Don't you regret any of that? Not at all. I just want to take what little bit of my life that I have left. Now that I'm an older guy, I don't have the same strength, the same stamina. For long, I'll start losing my memory. All kinds of other things will go. But I want to hold on with all my might. Maybe all time tarries and I get real old and I can't preach much anymore. Maybe y'all will roll me out on the platform over at that new place we get to go over there in my wheelchair. And I'll stand there and maybe sing a little bit and my voice will be all crackly and broken. Then no one will go to hit me a little bit and say, oh, watch him, here he comes. I want to be faithful. Brother Robert, to my last breath leaves my body. Don't you? I have to be honest. I've wished he would pad my cross. Well, I wish it wasn't mine to bear. I've heard many of you say, I don't like a big church. I like a little church. I'm with you. I'd rather have a little one too. What do you think we should do about it? <laughs> you half leave. 
No, wait a minute, let me handpick. Any, meeny. So what am I supposed to do as the pastor? I prefer a small church. You know me well enough to know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go where God sends me. I could choose a smaller church, like some people do. But you see, I know him better to know I don't have no say in it, like some of you all do. Well, I, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. That, that, that's your choice. You don't have to. God don't make you do it. I don't have to give and give the way I do. There's no way I have to preach the way I do. I don't have to give my strength the way I do. I don't have to study the way I do. I don't have to look at thousands of quotes and thousands of scripture. I don't have to do that. But I want to do it. I want to give him and I want to give you my best. My all. How many wants to do that one for the Lord? For your wife? For your family? For church? How many is willing to do that when you come to the house of God? I wonder how much better our services would be. Might if they get any better, we're going to fly out of this place anyway. If each one of us would say, God, I want to give my best. I want to do my all. Let's bow our heads together. The cross includes loss. It includes damage. It includes humiliation. At times you'll have great loss. At times you'll have minimum loss. But it's something that the Lord Jesus picked for you personally. And he'll help you if you'll let him. He was bereaved of his garments. Robbed of his friends. Laid his riches and his wealth and his glory aside to come to this earth. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The almighty God. And yet when he come down to his death, even his disciples fled away. They wouldn't stand with him. That was his cross. How many like to be remembered today? Lord, help me that I'll bear mine. Lord Jesus, I got both mine up, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, pray that you would help each of us. Preachers, deacons, trustees, men, women, boys, girls, every person streaming, those that are archived. Lord Jesus, help us to be willing to take up our cross. Lord, many of us bear it, but we bear it with such an attitude. You know how we are as humans. We tend to grumble and complain and it got the children of Israel in such trouble because they complained and complained and complained and grumbled and grumbled. Forgive us, Lord. May we as Ruth lay at the feet of our kinsman redeemer. May we not climb up by your head or even up by your heart, but may we lay at your feet and say, I'm not even worthy for a crumb to fall off the table. <laughs> as far as my human ability and talents and gifts and so on, I'm not worthy of any of that. Help us, Lord Jesus.
Just raise your hand to him today. Just a significance to him. Lord, remember me. Remember, it was Jesus on his cross and the thief on his. The one threw it in his teeth, the Bible said. You saved others, why don't you save yourself and us? And this one guy says, don't you know we're getting what we deserve? He said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. I always, when I read that, I find it so amazing because the word repent is not even in that. I'm sorry is not even in it. He doesn't say, Jesus, will you forgive me? But Jesus, will you remember me? But the Lord Jesus took his ignorance. But what made it so great was, Brother Dale, his sincerity. He was so sincere. He didn't even know the right words, Brother Jim, to say. Forgiveness, repentance, sorry. He didn't even know. But remember me. Oh, that's what I want to. Lord, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Oh, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. When Ignatius was going to be exposed to the fury of the wild beast for the name of the Lord Jesus, Ignatius cries out and says, Now I began to be a disciple. Praise the Lord. Paul in Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I live in the flesh, I now live, he said, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That dying with Christ was once but that same man goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die. The soul death is once. But this dying, this dying right here is on your cross. That cross of Galatians 2, 20, we were reckoned with him in there one time. But this cross is daily. Praise the Lord. God, help us, Lord. Sing something for us, Harry. Something fit him. Oh, Jesus. We love you today, Father. Help us to be willing to take up our cross, Lord. Forgive us for trying to guide ourselves lead ourselves and pick out our cross and pad it and make it plush. We want one that looks like a piece of furniture. So easy to bear. Forgive us, Lord. Make us willing, Lord Jesus, to take that which you've called us for and help us to bear it. Not with an old sour face, a rotten attitude, with happiness in our heart. We are worthy to be identified and suffer with the Lord Jesus for your cause, Father.
We worship you, Lord. Let's just worship him just a little bit before we go, can we? Oh, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Make us willing, happy bearers of our cross, Lord. No wonder Paul said it there in the book of Hebrews. Who for joy, for the course that was set before him, bore the cross, the shame. Help us to be that way, Lord God. <laughs> that we will willingly do it, Lord. When our name is cast out as evil and we're laughed at and made fun of, that we don't sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. But we do as the disciples did in the New Testament. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus Christ. When we're laughed at, ridiculed, made fun of for the word of God, the message of the hour, may we be so grateful in our hearts that we are counted worthy to be ridiculed and laughed at for the cause of the Lord Jesus in the evening light. Grant it, Lord God. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow.
wants to be able to find his way. Amen. We've all been there. Amen. Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Dear God, you see his name today, Father. Lord God, he comes before you, Lord, with his head bowed. Tears coming out of his eyes right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God help him. Lord God, we come all on the same basis, unworthy, not deserving of any of your goodness. But we come by faith, believing that price that was paid on that cross, that you were willing to pay it for us. Father, drop it in his heart right now that you died for him. You died that he could be set free. In the name of Jesus Christ, do this work in his heart today, Father. Touch him right now, I pray, Lord God. May that faith drop right now in his soul, Lord, to be able to accept and believe, Lord God, that you love him and that you accept him and that you pardon him and forgive him, Lord God. And that he can never be worthy. He can never do anything to make himself good enough to receive it. But all he has to do is open his heart and receive the benefit of what happened that day on the cross then a change takes place within him father and then he'll go to looking around and say now Lord because of what you've done on your cross help me to take up mine father <laughs> granted I pray father in the name of Jesus thank you Lord God thank you Lord God just keep praying with him my brothers Thank you, Lord Jesus. Savior calling. I can hear the Savior calling. Take your cross and
just go this morning. Just remember what you heard this morning. Be praying for our young people in the meetings up in Ohio. Just God will bless those meetings. Give them a safe trip home. Let's just sing this as you go this morning. Be multiplied. Yeah. Well, God of mercy, sweet love of mine.